Well, good morning. Um, once again, if you didn't hear me the first time, I'm Pastor Mark. Um, me and my wife Ashley serve as youth pastors here at Connection Point Church. And Pastor Zach and Shelly are on vacation. Uh, so you get the youth pastor um, this morning. Um, when Pastor Zach asked me, hi guys. Um, when Pastor Zach asked me to uh, preach this morning, it reminded me uh, of a joke um, that goes around youth pastor circles. I hope it's okay if I tell you a joke to start with this morning. Is that okay? Everyone okay with that? Okay. The joke is, why would a senior pastor ask the youth pastor to preach on a Sunday morning? Why? Thank you. So the congregation can appreciate when the senior pastor preaches. So that's a little bit of a joke for you. That may take you a little while. Don't repeat that to Pastor. Actually, he's probably watching, so hello, Pastor Zach. Um, but no, honestly, I do. Uh, I serve on staff here, and, and I love our staff. We have an awesome staff, a great staff of pastors, and um, they're amazing. It's, it's my privilege to be able to serve alongside um, of them. And so this morning, we are going to continue in our series um, in Luke, and uh, we're going to read this morning Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 31 through 43. The title of the message this morning is, I Want to See Again. So if you have your Bible... Yep, just because he's not here doesn't mean we're not going to do that. So we do hope that you have a Bible. Um, and if you don't have one, uh, there's some in the, in the seats in front of you. We really do. We want everyone to have a Bible and be able to read the word at home. So if you don't have one, please feel free to take that home. We can stand this morning um, as we read God's word. We're going to start in verse uh, 31 of Luke chapter 18. It says, in taking the 12, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what, he said, what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd go by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. These are the very words of God. You can be seated this morning. One of the most embarrassing moments in my life happened um, when I was 10 years old. Um, I remember going on a trip with my dad to a conference in Northeast Indiana, and uh, we met up with some friends uh, for dinner. Um, it was just me and my dad and this other couple. And now as a 10-year-old, I had the attention span of about zero, okay? Um, and, and so during that dinner, I really was not paying any attention to what was going on. My whole focus was the burger and fries in front of me. I love uh, a burger and fries. And so I was totally zeroed in on that. 
About halfway through the dinner, I heard one of the adults say something about how Pam was doing such and such. And for those of you that don't know, my mom's name is um, Pam. And I kind of, when I heard that, my ears kind of, you know, I wonder what's going on. So for the next several minutes, um, the adults at the table started talking about my mom. And everything was fine until a couple of minutes into the conversation, um, things started being a a little bit what I considered negative as a 10-year-old. And the whole time this other couple was telling um, my dad things and my dad was agreeing and commenting and for the life of me couldn't really understand why my dad was not was not interrupting and and not saying no that's not true and finally you know as a 10 year old I'd had enough and I simply said well you know dad this is what mom says about you when you're not around (laughs) yeah and off I went okay Some of you, um, uh, like I said, may know where this is going, but at the end of my tirade, everyone at the table had shocked faces, and my dad leaned over and said to me, son, we were not talking about your mother, but someone else. Got even worse. Uh, You can just imagine how that car ride was for me going home two and a half hours. Two words, not good, not good at all. I was grounded for a long time. Um, Now, hopefully none of you in this room have ever had an experience quite as embarrassing as that. Um, I still turn red. I know you can't tell because the lights are on, but I still turn red when I tell that story. Um, But my guess is that at one time, all of us have probably struggled a little bit with interpretation of something that is going on around us. Either maybe because um, we weren't listening or we simply just didn't understand what was happening. You know, in this passage of scripture that um, I just read to you today, there is a group that is kind of like me, the disciples, right? They didn't really quite grasp. They, maybe they weren't necessarily paying attention. I'm going to, we're going to look at the disciples and then we're going to look at another person in this passage of scripture, the blind man. But first, let me talk about the disciples. To give you a little bit of background on where we're at in the story of Jesus, up to this point, the disciples had been following Jesus for about two and a half to three years. Along the way, they have experienced um, amazing things. First, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the, the greatest sermons probably of all time. It was delivered by Jesus. And then on top of that, countless miracles. We've studied some of these in the book of Luke, including the cleansing of leprosy, the healing of a paralytic, the healing of a centurion servant, the raising of the dead of a widow's son, the wind and the waves obeying Jesus, Jairus' daughter brought back to life, and the feeding of the 5,000. I personally, that's my favorite, the feeding of the 5,000. I, I, in my own mind, I think that's probably some of the best fish that has ever been had on, on, in, on this world, right? But, but here's the thing. I would have loved to have been there for just one of these. The disciples were there for every single one of them. They were there for every single one of them. Unfortunately, though, even after seeing all of these things, they still did not quite get what Jesus was all about. They still did not see the son of man that Jesus was talking about in that passage that I just read was himself. It was Jesus himself. This is actually the third time that Jesus talks about his uh, death to the disciples. Each time he talks, there's more and more detail. But still, they did not understand. The next person in our story this morning that I want to look at is the blind man. As Jesus heads into Jericho, scripture says he meets a blind man. Now we know um, from the account of the, the blind man found in um, the book of Mark that this same blind, it is the same blind man and the blind man has a name and his name is Bartimaeus. 
I once heard a pastor say that his name was Bartimaeus, but his friends called him Bart. Um, so this morning, I'm going to go ahead and call him Bart so I don't have to say Bartimaeus the whole time because it's longer. Um, but let me dive into a little bit of background on Bart. In order to really understand everything that's going on in his story, we have to understand some of the background of blindness, what he went through during this time. Blindness was a very common problem in that day. And a healing from this condition was extremely rare. While the Old Testament law did stipulate that God's people were to care for those who are blind, there was, unfortunately, a cultural and religious stigma against blindness. We see this um, in another passage of scripture where uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law brought a blind man to Jesus. And they asked, they asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? There was a stigma against blindness. Because, because Bart was blind, he was relegated to a life of begging. Mark's gospel also mentions um, that he was wearing an old garment, a sign that he was a beggar. He was just sitting there waiting for something to happen because there was nothing he could do to improve his condition. On this particular day, Bart knew that there would be a mass of people in Jericho because the Passover was coming and people were preparing to make that final journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. That's why he was sitting there by the roadside with his hand out. Now picture yourself there in Bart's shoes for a second. As Jesus and his entourage approached, Bart couldn't see what was happening. He was blind. He couldn't see it. But he could hear commotion. He could hear the commotion, the excitement. And so he inquired, what, what's happening? What's going on? Some people in the crowd answered his question. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Judging from what we'll see as the story unfolds, Blind Bart must have known about Jesus, the great healer who is headed to Jerusalem. I can just imagine his heart begin to race. Maybe he was thinking, could it be that person he had heard of was Jesus right here in front of him? It was almost impossible to believe, too good to be true. Now here's where things get really interesting in our story today. Notice how Bart addresses Jesus in verse 38. And he cried saying, Jesus, son of David. Up to this point throughout scripture, the crowd, not only on this day, but others had merely referred to Jesus as of Nazareth or the son of Joseph of Nazareth. They had referred to his earthly heritage. He was from Nazareth. We know that. That's where he grew up. But that's just, that, that's all it lets you know. It lets you know where he grew up. It may give you a little bit more detail. That's like someone saying that I'm from Lafayette, Indiana. What does that mean? It means I'm from here. It may tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I like steak. I like corn on the cob. I like cornhole. I play euchre. Um, my team is the Indianapolis Colts and the Purdue Boilermakers. Boiler up. And, and I don't talk about that other team in the state at all. Um, but enough about that. I know there's some fans of them in there. Um, but that tells you a little bit about me. I'm from Lafayette, West Lafayette, Indiana. But it doesn't tell you everything about me. Bart, in this moment, uses the phrase son of David rather than calling Jesus of Nazareth. Calling him Jesus of Nazareth. That guy from Nazareth. What does that mean? It's so important, we can't miss this. By using the son of David, Bart confesses his understanding of Jesus' messianic heritage. In verse 39, Bart addresses Jesus as the son of David. In other words, the Messiah, the one who the Old Testament had prophesied was going to come and save them. 
The blind man saw that Jesus was much more than just a man from a small town in the north of Israel. He's the God man. He's the man sent from heaven. He's the man sent to be the savior of the world. Ironically, this morning, uh, we've, we've got these two different groups. One group was not blind physically, but spiritually they were blind. On the other hand, you have a man who is physically blind, but spiritually his eyes were open and he was on target. I think this morning, as much as we all wish we were like Bart, sometimes we can be like the disciples in a lot of ways. I remember a time in my own life when I felt like I was living in that spiritual blindness. I was about 18 years old, and even though I had grown up in the church and I could quote passages of scripture and I attended youth group, I knew that there were pieces of my life that were not right with God. I was living in spiritual blindness. During that time, there was one specific moment in Texas where God got a hold of me and that spiritual blindness that I had been living in was gone. I know that that was the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Looking back on that moment uh, this week, I began to reflect and and how those uh, different things took place in my life. And I can't help but see some of the same similarities, some of the same similarities between my story and some of the things that we read today. I titled this message, I Want to See Again, because I believe that there are a lot of people that maybe were like me, maybe are like the disciples. Maybe you've been hanging out with Jesus for a while, you've experienced church and what church has to offer, but somewhere along the way, that blindness has begun to creep in. And from a spiritual perspective, you are feeling blind this morning. I think that our friend Bart in the story today shows us three things that we can do to get rid of some of that spiritual blindness and help us see again. And so I wanna go through those. First, if you want to see again, you must cry out. You must cry out. Bart was aware of his need and his belief in Jesus was right on, but he did more than just believe. He boldly acted on his belief. Bart knew Jesus was the one that could change his life because there was nothing that he could do on his own. So he called out to Jesus, the son of David, for mercy in verse 38. In the first part of verse 39, we see how his cry annoyed some people in the crowd. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be quiet, telling him to be silent. Now, those in front who are in front may have been important city officials in Jericho um, or important religious leaders. They were trying to make a good impression on Jesus in case, you know, he was the Messiah. He had come to save them from the Romans. Bart's cry distracted them from their agenda. So they tried to shut him up. I love the second half of that verse, but he cried out all the more. He cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. This guy would not be be silent. He would not be muzzled. He chose not to listen to the crowd and shouted out even louder than before. You may have heard that phrase. It's in a song that we sung. Shouted out even louder than before. He broke out out of all he broke out out of out of all of those cultural rules of etiquette because he didn't want Jesus to get away. This might be his only chance to receive that mercy and healing he so desperately needed. Whatever the situation you find yourself in this morning, I want to encourage you to have the same kind of boldness and call out for God. Often people don't because uh, they really don't understand, honestly, their blind condition or because they don't believe that Jesus can really do anything about it. Listen, if we saw ourselves in that spiritual darkness and in desperately need of mercy, 
and Jesus, our Savior, was right there and we saw him as Bart saw him, we could not help but cry out. Come boldly to him with confidence. Let him know you need his saving power. Let him know that you need help. That's what he's waiting for. He will answer you when you call. As a result of Bart's boldness to cry out, verse 40 says, And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. Then Jesus asked Bart in verse 41, What do you want me to do for you? Now here's the thing. Jesus knew what Bart wanted. Jesus knew what Bart wanted, but he asked the question for Bart's sake and for the crowd's crowd's sake who had gathered around because he wanted Bart to verbalize what it was that he wanted. Bart's answer was simple. Lord, I want to receive my sight. You know, what do we want us, what do we want us to, what do we want Jesus to do for us? Have we ever put into words, have we ever verbalized the cry of our heart for our relationship with God? Have we ever verbalized our deepest need for God? Have we ever shouted out for mercy to have Jesus into our hearts? If not, Jesus is waiting for you. I want to encourage you boldly, step out, cry out to him for what you need. Secondly, if you want to see, again, you must have humility. The second part of that cry Bart uses this morning is found in both verses 38 and 39. He calls out, son of David, have mercy on me. What jumps out to me is the second part of that cry, have mercy on me. Bart recognized that he needed mercy. He recognized that he needed a savior. He could have very easily led with, son of David, heal me. But no, he expressly asked for mercy. You know, Bart had several needs. First, obviously physical healing. He was blind, he wanted to be able to see. Secondly, Bart needed money. That's why he was there, he was begging. But even those, those were needs, the greatest need that Bart had was not physical or financial. His greatest need was spiritual. Because he called Jesus the son of David and he, because he asked for mercy, it is clear that Bart was keenly aware of his own spiritual need. He knew that he was a sinner in need of a savior. So when the blind man asked for mercy, he was not asking merely for physical or financial assistance, but was also asking for spiritual help. You know, I once heard an illustration of a man who was a lifeguard and he was asked, how can you tell when someone is really in need of help when there are thousands of people on the beach in the water making a tremendous amount of noise? The lifeguard answered, no matter how great the noise and confusion, there has never been a single moment when I cannot distinguish the cry of distress above all the others. I can always tell it. Jesus heard the desperation in Bart's cry. This type of desperation can only come from a place of humility. The needs of Bart were obvious. It was no secret. When Jesus asked what he needed, it was not because Jesus didn't know, but Jesus wanted him to admit that. There's something that happens when we admit our need to God. There's something that happens when we humble ourselves before God and realize we need him to admit that we are not infallible, to admit that that we are fragile. God wants to hear our need. He implores us to ask. You know, it's amazing to me that sometimes we think our own spiritual needs are hidden from God. Most of the time, not always, but over time, those needs, they they grow and become more and more obvious. As someone who has gone through a time of spiritual blindness myself, I can recognize it in myself and in others. 
It shows up in our worship. It shows up in our testimony. It shows up in our relationships. It shows up at work. It shows up in our families. Yet we continue as if everything is fine. One of the other things that I love about this passage of scripture is that, is that the passage says Jesus took time out of the busyness to stop. He stopped. Listen, Jesus does the same thing every day for us. Takes time out of his day to stop. Today, in the midst of all the babble and confusion, Jesus never fails to hear that cry of our hearts. Thirdly, if you want to see again, you must have faith. In verse 42, we read, And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Because Bart believed and put his faith in Jesus, he got a bogo. And all the shoppers perked up in the room. Bogo, bogo. Um, no, but at least the way I, the way I, this is my definition. Okay. He didn't buy anything. So I want to make that clear, but he received his sight and he got saved. That's, that's one of the best bogos you can ever have. In my opinion, he received his sight and Jesus saved him. Here's a spiritual principle. When we call out to Christ in humility and with faith, he meets our needs. Jesus is looking for more Barts today. People who will exercise faith and cry out for mercy. Jesus loves to answer prayers like that by healing us spiritually from the inside out and giving us spiritual insights as he moves us from darkness into light. What an awesome work and an amazing miracle that God did in Bart's life. But here's the thing. A lot of the times we stop right there. He received his sight and he got saved. Both awesome and amazing and great things. But here's the thing, that's not the finish line. That's not the finish line. There's still more. Verse 43 says this, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. When Bart got his sight back, he couldn't help but break out into praise. When he received salvation, he couldn't help but break out into praise. He was thrilled beyond words. I don't, I don't know about you, but if I received my sight, I probably would want to go see my family right away or look into a mirror and see what my face looked like, or maybe not. But Bart, Bart didn't do either of those things. The first thing he did was he broke out, he followed, he broke out into praise. He received, then he followed, then he praised. Let me put it into a, a little bit different terms. Conversion leads to discipleship, which leads to worship, which spills over into evangelism. Bart went from darkness to light, from begging to following, from crying to praising, and his blessing led to a blessing of others as they too glorified God. Amen? In a single moment, Bart the blind man became Bart the believer. Wow. You see, God wants us to recognize our blindness and put our faith in his son, Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. It can't stop there. That's not the finish line. He did all that so that we can receive a blessing that can be passed on to others. As I close today, I wanna use an illustration that I heard in a sermon once that I think applies so much to what we are talking about this morning. I heard about a missionary who is raising support and he went to visit a local church and he was by himself um, and, and one of the church people in the church gave him a room to stay in. It was their master bedroom, a very spacious master bedroom and it had two closets and a bathroom. During the middle of the night, he was suddenly awakened by sirens and a commotion outside. 
He jumped up and was disoriented and forgetting he was in a strange place. He headed to where the door in his own home would have been and smack, he hit a wall. He couldn't remember where the door or the light switch was in the room. So he frantically felt around in total darkness, thinking the house was on fire. He finally found a door. He opened it and he raced through it right into a closet full of clothes. He felt around some more, still thinking his life was in danger, and he went through another door and fell right into the bathtub. From here, he figured out where the bathroom light was, but it wouldn't come on, and so he was still in total darkness. Finally, he decided he would yell out, help. The owner came a few seconds later and said, Jim, are you okay? And the guy said, no, I can't figure out how to get out of my room. I can't figure out how to turn on the light. And the owner said, well, we, sorry for all the commotion. We had someone, our neighbor next door was having a heart attack. And so their sirens came on and our breaker flips in the middle of the night. And so let me go flip the breaker. And the owner went and flipped the breaker and all the lights came on and everything was back to normal. And that missionary was so relieved to see the owner and see everything back to normal. As I read that story and how it applies today, I can't help but ask a couple of questions. You know, that missionary was in total darkness and he knew it. Have we come to that realization in our own life that we're in total darkness? He couldn't get out on his own. Do we recognize that we are spiritually blind and trapped in a room of our own sins with no way out on our own power? You know, that missionary needed help And he knew the owner could help him. He had belief. Do we realize that we need spiritual help? Do we believe that Jesus can help us? Do we have faith in him and what he can do for us? He knew that he had to cry out and get help, but he didn't let embarrassment keep him from crying out. Are we willing to boldly ask Jesus for help, for that help that we so desperately need? Are we ready to go against the crowd, maybe against peers, in order to find out what we've been searching for? And finally, he experienced the joy of being able to thank his friend for saving him. Have we experienced that same kind of joy in our own lives when we are sharing Jesus with others? Are we praising God with our walk and with our talk so that others are drawn to Jesus? Are we using our blessing to bless others? Blind Bart sees the moment. Jesus is passing by right now and he wants you to seize the moment. I'm going to ask everyone to go ahead and stand this morning. You can go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And this morning, maybe if you're in the room for the first time and you realize that there's some spiritual darkness in your life, that you've never had your eyes open, that you've never had a relationship with Jesus today you realize that, you know, I want to change that. I want to change that. I want to see, I want that veil of spiritual blindness to be gone from my life. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask if you're in the room today and that's you, if if you want to raise your hand in the air, the reason why we do this is we want to be able to pray for you. Is there anyone at all in the room? See that hand over there on the right? Anyone else? Anyone else? For 
others in the room tonight, maybe you realize that you are more like the disciples than you know. You've been hanging out with Jesus for a while and you realize that as we're talking today that you've let some spiritual blindness creep back into your life. There's some areas of your life that aren't right with him. There's some areas of your life that you just need to spend some time at the altars this morning and cry out in humility and believe in faith. I'm gonna call the prayer team up at this time. And if you're in either one of those categories, whether you raise your hand this morning or you're in that second category, I wanna encourage you, these altars are open. Listen, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is here today and he wants to meet you. As the worship team begins to lead, go ahead and come forward.